Thomas and Adam led earlier. They were very thoughtful. It seems to me, though, the older I get, the more there is to pray about. Let's pray together again. Precious God, you really are great and big. And we are humbled as we think about your greatness and marvel that you could love us. We are your creation. You are our redeemer. You are our friend. You are so much more. You are our God. God, we come to you on behalf of the missionaries that we are blessed to support here. We continue to pray for our brother Andrew Solomon and the recent health issues that he's had. Thank you for him and for his family and for the great work that they have done for many, many years in the Caribbean. We pray that you would continue to bless him with his health. And thank you for the soldier of the cross. God, we pray for Denzel Roberts, who also labors in the Caribbean. His willingness to work at home and elsewhere in preaching the joyful news of salvation. Please bless him and his family. And thank you for his great attitude and his desire to serve. We pray for our brother Rod Kyle. We were blessed to have him with us for several days. In a short time, he'll be able to go back to New Zealand and see his wife Gay and his family. Please continue to bless him with safe travels. And we are thankful for the good results he's had in trying to gain support for mission work throughout the South Pacific. God, we pray that you be with Gay as she deals with Huntington's disease. Thank you for her great spirit. And thank you for her desire to worship you, even as it's gotten harder and harder for her physically. Please bless her, God. God, we pray for our shepherds, for Lynn and for Terry, that you give them good health that you continue to bless them with wisdom. Thank you for them and for their families. We pray for the work that's done at Bear Valley Bible Institute, and we are blessed to have a part. We pray that the men and women that we are able to come into contact with through our participation in this ministry, we pray that they will be faithful to you for decades to come. And that long after we have left this earthly scene, that they will be faithfully teaching your word to others. All to your name's honor and glory. To the salvation of souls. God, it's only right that we pray for those that are sick. But we also pray for those that are experiencing great joy in their life. We pray for Hillary Ivanhoe and her upcoming marriage. We pray for her and her fiancé. 
We pray that you bless them richly and that they would seek to follow you with all of their heart. God, we pray that this couple would have a Christian home. God, we pray for the Sawyers as they'll be having twins come into this world soon. Bless them and we pray that the children would be healthy. God, we pray for those that would love to have children yet have had difficulty and are having to wait. God, may they know your love and may they know your blessing in their lives too. And while we have so many young children here at Westside, there are some that cannot have children throughout this world and they long for children. Bless them too. God, we pray for our senior saints. We have so many here that are widows and widowers. Many of these are some of our most faithful, conscientious people. Please bless them. God, sometimes I'm sure that they're lonely. Help them to count on you and your presence in every circumstance of their lives. And help us as a congregation to show our love to them more. We pray for the city of Midland and this area and our country and this world. We often pray for our sick God, but there are so many that are spiritually sick. There are so many that have wandered away from you and your ways. Our hearts are broken when we think about that. And we ask you, God, to give us opportunities to lift you up and to so serve others that they might know you. God, thank you for hearing our prayers. We hear you as we study your word and we contemplate and ponder its truth. But God, help us to be on frequent speaking terms with you hearing you and talking to you. What a great friend, what an awesome God you are. Forgive us, God, of making you too small. Forgive us, God, of not turning to you more quickly. Forgive us, God, of taking too much on ourselves. God, help us to realize that without you, we can accomplish nothing. In Christ's name, amen. God's final word, that's Revelation. Thank you, Jeff, for reading that passage from Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10. Really, when you look at the book of Revelation, it can be summarized in two words. Christians win. And in looking at Revelation... Sin is not downplayed. Sin and evil are revealed to be the horrific, awful things that they are. But we really don't see so much about the effects of sin until we get to Revelation chapter 6. 
The first chapter gives us an exalted view of Jesus. And no matter what we face in life, we need to have an exalted view of our great Lord. When you look at Revelation chapters 2 and 3, there's an exalted view of the church. The church in the mind of God. You get to Revelation chapters 4 and 5, there is an exalted view of worship and exactly what worship looks like, especially to God himself. Then you get to Revelation 6 and 7, and there is a discussion of sin and evil. As a matter of fact, it's Revelation chapter 6 that concludes in verse 17 by saying, For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? It would seem that the answer is no one. That it's a rhetorical question. But in Revelation 7, we're going to see people standing. More on that in just a moment. You ever hear people talking about the four horsemen of the apocalypse? It's right here in Revelation 6. The four horsemen of the apocalypse. Why evil exists and something about its nature and variety. You have mentioned, first of all, a rider on a white horse. I believe here, if you look... He's identified as being conquest. Conquest. The idea of conquest and competition and greed. The rider on this white horse. I do not think he is to be confused with another rider on a white horse in Revelation 19. Jesus. That's Revelation 19, 11 through 16. When you talk about conquest, competition, and greed, evil is a personal matter. To win, to have more, to get. Evil's a personal matter. But continue looking at this passage in Revelation 6, and it talks about another horse and its rider. And this particular horse is bright red. And when you study the passage, it's obvious that he's talking about war and violence. Social evil abounds. Evil is personal. Evil is social. In studying uh, recently, I noticed that there are about 205 different nations presently in the existence, in existence here in this world. Many of them know a great deal about war and violence. Think about it. The next horse is a black horse. And it's obvious that the black horse has to do with famine and lack. With lack, with famine. There are 821 million people in the world who know famine on a regular basis. 821 million. 
When you and I go home tonight, we will open our refrigerator and we'll have a number of choices likely concerning what we eat. There are 821 million people in this world, one out of eight, who will have no decision to make because there will be no food there. Think about that. And then look at the last horse, a pale horse, symbolic of sickness and death. Part of me wants to say that the great cathedrals of this world are entertainment cathedrals. You find them everywhere. Sports cathedrals, especially on Sunday, Monday night and Thursday, Saturday if you're a college fan. But how about medical cathedrals? There are huge facilities that act as cathedrals of hope for people who are sick with all kinds of sickness. But at best, the help that anyone can be given is only temporary, isn't it? We're pretty good at constructing cathedrals to all of the wrong entities. And at the heart is sin. Sin is an ecological evil, and that's why there's so much famine Sin, when you talk about it, and you talk about the pale horse and sickness and death, it's a biological evil. It affects us. It impacts us physically and mentally. I'm really glad Revelation 6 is not the end of the book because it's a downer. And then you get to Revelation 7. And Revelation 7 consists of two parts. Remember how 6 ends? The great day of His wrath has come, and who is able to stand? And in the first eight verses, you have the church of our Lord on earth. And they are sealed. Remember that word. The church... Sealed on earth. The Lord knows them that are His. 2 Timothy 2.19 And you'll see the 144,000 referred to. Think of it this way. 12 times 12 times 1,000. Completeness. God knows His people and will see them through difficulty here on earth. Sealed. Look to God who cares. But don't miss out on verses 9 to the end of the chapter. Because now it seems like the same people are in view. But fast forward things. Put yourself in the time capsule and go into eternity. And now you've got the saved standing the saved sealed on earth, the saved standing in heaven at the throne of God and before the Lamb. Now look quickly at Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10. 
Six quick observations about the saved of the ages in glory. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no man can number. Observe, first of all, the number. A great number that no man could number, that could count. You know, sometimes we hear preachers talk about few there be that find it concerning heaven, and I know that the Bible talks about that, but when we consider the saved of all the ages, of the patriarchal times, of the Old Testament times, and the New Testament era, when we think of the redeemed, the saved of the ages, it is a great number which no man can count. Praise God. Observe, secondly, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, notice the background. We've looked at their number, now notice their background. From every nation. Just jot down these four passages quickly, if you would. Jot down Isaiah 42, 6. 42, 6. I'll just make it a couple. And Acts 26 and verse 23, for the sake of time. Jesus would come... And he would not just bring the house of Jacob salvation. That wouldn't be enough. He would be a light to the nations. And the very first word. It's not the usual order. It's normally every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Here, intentionally, after going from 12,000 from the 12 tribes, remember? Obviously, symbolism... Now he goes on to say that the people of God are so much more because they are people from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages. Observe third, their posture, they are standing. They are standing on the basis of what Jesus had done. Notice the passage yet again. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb. It's said twice in these passages. It says they, their clothing, observe that, clothed in white. Notice what they are carrying, what they are waving, palm branches in their hands. It's about celebration, it's about victory, and their clothing is indicative of purity and holiness. Finally, they cry out with a loud voice. You get to the book of Revelation, worship is often loud. Evidently, God likes it loud and enthusiastic. Their cry is is this, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. 
In Revelation 4, worship is due to the Father. In worship, chapter 5, it's to be given to the Lamb. You get to chapter 7, and then you see this. Salvation belongs to God and to the Lamb. The source of salvation is God. Praise God. We win. God's final word. Thank you for listening. We're about to stand and sing our song of encouragement. We shouldn't act like losers if we're really in Jesus. And we shouldn't act like we're winners if we're lost. For those who are lost, please come to Jesus. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Through faith and repentance, come home. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and added to the Lord's church. And really today's lessons have been about having the right kind of spirit and attitude as we live from day to day. That our God really is big and that we really are on the winning side. Let us stand and sing.